Hello, and welcome back to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Tonight, you're going to be joined by Josh, Herman, and myself. Owen will not be joining us because he's currently moving into his new house. So we wanted to start this podcast by saying congratulations to Owen. Good job, buddy. Way to adult. You guys said way to be an adult at the same time. We're in sync. This podcast really, really got us in the same, same level. And soon they will become the same person. You could say that we're already like Nexus. Okay. One of us. One of us. But uh, on with the show. Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. Everybody and welcome, and today we are going to dive into everyone's favorite lady to hate, Kirai. But first, Jeff, Josh, how are you all doing today? Super duper. Ready to talk about everyone's favorite ghost lady. I'm doing grand. Uh, definitely uh, not my favorite ghost lady, but I'm doing good. Yeah, she's certainly not going to be making a guest show on Scooby-Doo anytime soon, I don't think. <laughs> I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those meddling kids. That got the laughs that it deserved. So, apparently, because uh, I know Josh plays Resurrectionist, and Jeff is apparently claiming that he has. I'm not. I've never seen that, and I'm not sure I believe it. So we're going to say that we have about one and a half experts with us here today. And it might just end up being half an expert, depending on if Jeff is value added or not. Uh, so, but we want to dig into, I mean, my first question is, I'm not a Resurrectionist player. Why do I care about Karai? Why are we talking about her and not Reva? You care about Karai because she is one of the top tier Resurrectionist masters. It's also one of those masters that if you don't know what you're going up against when you face her, you're going to be surprised and you're going to get your butt kicked. She has some shocking capabilities that if they catch you unaware, will just completely throw you off your game and lead your crew into ruin. That's part of the reason I really enjoy playing her. I think she uh, brings a nice uh, package with her and her crew of being moderately defensive while also being really offensive. And uh, some of her keywords that we'll talk about uh you know, cause opponents damage in nice little ticks over and over. Uh, so it's a, it's a huge annoyance. So uh, I think she's good to bring into certain games. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying about, like, a little offense. I find her incredibly offensive. Like, incredibly offensive. Just the smell alone is uncouth. Don't make this personal. Don't make this personal. I had to play against her, like, freaking six times in a row, like, in the last couple months. It's very personal. So there is always an option where you could accidentally smash your opponent's model. It doesn't work so well on Vassal. I just end up with a cracked computer screen, but I have tried it a couple times. So I actually have an interesting story for our listeners in regards to that. Uh, I used to play Warhammer uh, 40K, and back in 2nd edition, the Chaos Terminators that they had um, had these, like, they were these solid hunks of metal that had these huge spikes sticking out of them. And this is when I was a teenager. 
uh, I would go to this game store and this guy was notorious for getting upset and slamming his fist down on the table. Well, uh, first of all, don't be that guy. Uh, but second, uh, he did this one time and he was playing his chaos, uh, space, space Marines and he slammed his fist down on the table, but his chaos Terminator was off to the side that had already died. And when he slammed his fist, it went right down into that, that chaos Terminator and it got embedded into his hand and he had to go to the emergency room, and have it pulled up with pliers. Honestly, I think that's a really good analogy for playing against Karai because it really does feel like I'm having to pull shards out of my body with pliers. Well, one of the things I do enjoy about Cry is that she has a very strong theme, and that theme is making every one of your opponent's decisions as painful as possible. And using her, her abilities to just make it excruciating for, the, for your opponent to live, and uh, converting that into wins. So don't, don't hold me into suspense here. What is it that she's doing that's making me rock myself to bed in the fetal position, weeping at night? What makes her scarier than the Dreamer in Lord Chompy Bits? Even start with her iconic Arami keyword ability, Vengeance. Which is, after resolving an action that targeted and damaged this model, the attacking model suffers plus one damage, plus one being the Vengeance number. Most of the models in her crew have this ability, and as a result, if you attack them and don't kill them, you're taking damage. So as you try to hurt her, you're hurting yourself. Okay, so Vengeance is already filling me with a lot of Righteous Fury. What else are we stacking in there? Please tell me she has to deal with terrain, right? Uh, oh, oh, oh. I have some bad news for you. One of the other things that she's famous for are her ghosts. Her, and her crew is replete with models that have incorporeal. Although she does have to deal with terrain. She is not. Does she ever actually walk? Like, Does, she, does something else move around in the crew? I don't honestly remember. Sometimes. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so, Incorporeal reduces damage, makes you ignore terrain, makes you ignore hazardous terrain, uh, makes your crew very mobile. Uh, and to capital out the third iconic power for the Vengeance crew, and this was sort of uh, was first manifested in 2nd edition and carried over in a more generalized form in 3rd, is Adversary. She was the crew back in 2nd edition that sort of brought the adversary mechanic that they just expanded to be a general condition in third edition. But uh, the Arami crew could pass out adversary Arami in a variety of different ways, which can make her models, even if they only have stat five on their attack, pretty accurate. So you'll see a lot of that coming up and being distributed out in a variety of different ways. So that's what her uh, overall crew does. If you want to dig down into Karai herself, she has a wide range of very useful abilities, but I just want to focus on a couple. Uh, first of all, she is the iconic resurrectionist summoner in this edition. Mm. Oh, no. Where, wherefore are the Nicodems of yesteryear? Oh, unfortunately, lamentably dead. Legit sad. Rip Nicodem. I'm not legit sad about that bullshit at all. I just want to point this out. I am with the amount of people that play resurrectionists and the few people that play guild. I am not sure how that ever equated to Nicodem dying when it was supposed to have been like games played and votes cast. Like I feel like that election was rigged. It's too soon. It's too soon. Too I, soon. I, can't, I can't bear that. My heart can't take it. It didn't happen soon enough. Oh, 
So the ability that you're looking for on Karai is called A Blooded Wind. It's the same name as from the previous edition. It works in a very similar way, where you name an Arami minion. The TN is equal to 10 crow plus the cost of that minion. Uh, and when you summon it, it gets the upgrade that gives the model slow, uh, adds a crow to all its dual totals, but most importantly, whenever the model that has been summoned activates, it does one irreducible damage to Karai. So this is sort of the interesting balance that Karai has uh, in this edition, where her summons really strong, pretty high damage, but they hurt her when they activate. Unless it's a Kyria. I'm Yeah, I'm going to go on some little skepticism here on, does that actually matter? Like, legit, does it actually matter? I have had games, and, you know, specifically, again, one against Jeff in a tournament, where uh, Karai died from self-inflicted damage that uh, Jeff intentionally contrived such that it would occur. So he was able to leverage that capability as a detriment. But... Well, hang uh, on. Did he just contrive it by losing so hard that you had summoned enough? No, like, no. Jeff did very well that game. No, it's uh, one of the the things that you can do against Karai is if you kill off her base crew that she brought and leave her summons alive, uh, the summons eventually just kill Karai. So uh, your opponent's going to want to bring in more things in order to, to achieve his objectives. But you jump yeah, in you know, the it's, gun a, again. it's a sideways way of doing things. But yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of pertinent because, like, I, I look at some of these, these kind of you could put quotes on them, like balancing factors with summoners, like the Dreamer's got to pop them out, or Terra's got to pop them out, or in this case, Karai takes his point of damage, and I'm like, is that actually really meaningful? You know, because if you're doing like a summon on turn one, you know, that's one point of damage, and then taking three on turn two, but you've got soul stones, you've got access to healing. Uh, I think I don't know if she can shunt that off or not with protected. Uh, looks like no, but she does have life leech. So I'm like, you know, with a single heal action, you're taking care of, you know, your turn's worth of damage from this. It's true. You can, in this crew, compensate for that damage. Uh, I can't say that it's pointless. I can't say that's a no effect. Like I said, it was, the, it was the direct cause of her death in a tournament. So it can be leveraged uh, against her in a meaningful fashion. But you also mentioned protected Robbie. Christ, that's still not the best in this edition. Defense 4, not great. Um, but she does have protected Rami. It lets her dump off attacks onto uh, friendly Rami within 2 inches for the cost of a discarded card. This is uh, very nice in the crew because several of the models bring the terrifying to the table so she can combine the two together to get some quality nested defenses to help keep her alive. Uh... In addition to the uh, a Blood and Wind summoning, she also has an incidental summoning trigger on her Spirit Barrage attack. It's only a 2-3-4 damage spread, but if you manage to kill someone with the Crow trigger, uh, you get friends on the other side. And you can summon a Gaki into slow, uh, with, base, with slow and base contact uh, with the target. Uh, and importantly, this doesn't pass out the summoning upgrade. So you're getting the Gaki minus the summoning upgrade, you don't have to worry about the extra damage, and you just have a good swig in the game, being able to simultaneously take out an opponent's model and add one of yours on the table with a single AP. Very action efficient. All that did was made me flip a table. Oh, yeah. No, like I said, her her goal is to make the decision uh, making process for your opponent as difficult as possible. And the rest of her crew also works very synergistically to accomplish that task. And perhaps 
no piece more so in the entire crew than her totem, the infamous Akirio. You may levy all of your hate towards her right now, uh, Herman. It's tough because right now I have a lot of nerf levy going on, but I do plan to levy towards her as well. Uh, very well, very well. Yes, Malifo dad puns. Yeah, Ikirio is probably one of the uh, most terrifying parts of the crew. If you've heard about nothing from an Arami crew, you've probably heard horror stories about Ikirio. Yeah, I don't actually play against Karai ever. I only ever play against Ikirio. Mm, I've, never, I've literally never seen Karai on the table because that chick is hiding somewhere in the back, and I've got Ghost Boy up in my face. That's actually a really good point. Of uh, Karai herself is—I mean, she is the master of the crew, but she's not the thing that you need to be scared of. Like, she's just a summoner, and then her abilities are just kind of eh. She's the equivalent of probably like a seven, eight stone, soul stone model. But a Kiryu is the thing that makes her dangerous, and uh, is the thing that you should look out for the most. You are essentially reliving the Salem witch trials here, where she is sickening her spirit on you. Oh, yes. It, it's, well, it's going more the Japanese route for the grudge or the ring in this case. But the thing that terrifies people the most about Kyrio is her irreducible damage. She has the death touch melee attack, one inch range, stat six. It's the same attack you see on Leviticus for two, three, four irreducible damage. And if the target is killed by this action, the model heals two. So irreducible damage is spectacular in this edition. Well, a... unlike Levy, though, the good thing about her is, is she doesn't have the... She has a built-in crow, but it doesn't uh, do the... Uh, oh, what's the trigger that increases damage by two? Yeah, she doesn't have a necrotic decay. But unfortunately, she does have Onslaught, which sucks ass. Yes, she has a bevy of quality triggers on that. Puncture, Onslaught, Feast of Vengeance, which is the trigger to heal a friendly leader, one, two, three, after uh, you kill a model with this trigger. Okay, so, again, like so that that damage for that she takes from the upgrade does not matter. The damage oh, it gets worse. Almost on... all of her summons have this, and the, it gives the summons a built-in crow, so they literally all get to do this. It's true. Uh, Defensive-wise, Ikario is a mixed bag. On one hand, defense 3. On the other, incorporeal terrifying 11. So, and also vengeance 1. So... You're facing off against Kyrio, you get through her terrifying, you get through her incorporeal, and you're taking damage when you attack her. There's just a lot of things about Kyrio that uh, make her a very scary model to face. But what really seals the deal about Kyrio is that you can bring her back. Though she's an enforcer, and though she's a Karai totem, she has the Karai soul ability, which lets Karai summon her as if she were a minion, and she doesn't attach a vengeance upgrade whenever she is summoned, so she doesn't gain slow, she doesn't do damage to cry uh, when she activates, and you just have a renewable resource of unimaginable pain to throw at your opponent. Um, I do want to point out, like typically one of the counters uh, to a you know a big monster like this, uh, typically like things like Chompy Bits, uh, somebody that you're scared of. Uh, would be to give them slow and hinder them in some way, except she's got Shrug off, so if you put uh, slow on her, she doesn't really care. She's still going to use all of her AP. Yeah, I learned about that one the hard way, going up against her the first time. This really gets back to what I said at the beginning, that if you don't know what you're facing with Karai, you're in for a bad time. But moving on with her crew, 
hang on a second. Um, we're going to take a break after this, but one thing I wanted to really touch on with Akirio specifically is the order in which she gets summoned versus the order in which you put her down. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit, that specific uh, tactic? I was going to save that for later. But, yes. Uh, so, Karai, or Akirio is resummonable. Um, what that means is that if you kill her at the wrong time, after she's activated, but before Karai's activated, you will have kill a model that has already gone to stir, and Karai can just summon her again. Then you have a second Akirio in your face. And this sounds like a scary tactic, and it is. Uh, if you're fortunate, you can pull this trick off and get two full activations out of a curio in a single turn. Uh, more realistically, uh, this won't happen very frequently because after the first time your opponent sees it, they'll be scared to death of that for their the rest of their life. They will never want to see that, and they will put a great deal of effort into trying to time that curio death so that you can't pull that off. But that's okay. You can use that fact to your advantage because you can bait out activations from their beaters by charging a curio into their midst. You can, even if you lose initiative, reliably expect them to target a curio first before she activates so you can't get two full turns out of her. You can use that to force your opponent to make subpar decisions because they do not want to have to face two full curio activations in a turn. I want to point out uh, a lot of... Uh... Karai players rely on the Akirio crutch uh, and will use this as a one-trick pony, so don't rely on this as a one-trick pony. But if you have an opponent that is bringing Karai with this uh, one-trick pony uh, and you're playing Recover Evidence, stick an Evidence Marker on Akirio because it's really funny to have that Evidence Marker just brought right up to you and you just pick it up after you kill her. Yes, she'll get to go and resummon again, but you just scored a point. Uh, Strat-wise, if Recover Evidence is on the table, I just don't bring my totem. I just rely on summoning our first turn, so you can't do that. So, uh, Akirio is both a, a speed bump and a existential threat. You can use her as a tar pit, run her up, knowing that she will even if she is killed, you can bring her back. If she's not killed, you're tying up their models. So, you don't have to treat her like a speed bump, but she is definitely a tar pit. And the tar pit approach is something that I'll touch on when we get into tactics, it's a really good way of impeding your opponent's crew by throwing highly dangerous yet sacrificial models at them in a way that many crews cannot. Most things cannot afford to throw a model as high damage and high power as a curio uh, into the meat grinder, knowing that they'll be killed. But in her case... Don't worry, Herman will still do it. Hey, sometimes it works out. Most of the time it doesn't. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here, but when we get back, if this hasn't pissed you off enough like it has me, we're going to talk about all the other models that come in the crew, because these two are coming for free. Hello. Do you like our podcast and want to ensure that it continues to run? Maybe you want to hear our outtakes on unedited footage, or perhaps you're just flush with cash and you like being generous. Either way, we've set up a Patreon just for you. If you like us, please consider donating. Our Patreon can be located in the show notes. If not, we're all pretty sure that it's Herman's fault. Either way, if you like our show, go ahead and leave us a comment. Thanks. 
So we can obviously tell that Josh is very excited for Karai and Jeff is, you know, excited, little E, about her. So one thing I want to ask you guys is, okay, you know, I have to go through. I've got to play against her. This is going to be a terrible experience for me. I'm going to weep, weep sadly. What is it that I should be looking for? What is going to be included in her base crew that I know I'm going to have to deal with, I'm going to have to think about and overcome every single time? Josh. We start at the uh, most expensive models and work our way down. At the top, you have Datsui Boss, her henchman. Uh, she is a resilient and scary ghost uh, with terrifying and good defenses and incorporeal and vengeance, so that she's kind of a tough nut to crack. Uh, but she brings to the table a couple of very useful abilities uh, that augment both the damage output and the utility of her crew. Uh, she has the Guide Spirits ability, uh, which lets the spirit take a walk action. So she can use that to move models up the board. If you want to try an Alpha Strike with a Kyrio, you can uh, trade Datsuobah's AP for a Kyrio's AP so that she can walk and get into charge range on turn one. But it also has the Cross the River Sanzu trigger, which is on a mask. I think you only need a four of masks for this to pull it off. Instead of taking a walk action, they get to take a charge action. So that's just getting an extra free attack out of your Akirio as you get her up the board. In addition, she has the ability uh, Way Sins, which is her primary ranged attack. Uh, damage spread is okay. 2-3-5. You get positive uh, flips to the damage if the opponent has adversary. But on a mask, you get to summon an Onryo when you kill the target. So you can pick out a target that's been weakened with a variety of other abilities, be it Vengeance, be it a curio, be it, you know, cries attack itself, and then finish him off with the some uh, the uh, waste ends with the summon trigger to trade their dead model for your live Onryo for a pretty big swing in power. Yeah, so that's something I kind of want to touch on. As you talk about this with Karai, where she's got the trigger to bring out a Gaki, and now you've got Datsu bitch um, bringing out an Onryo with that trigger. You've played a lot of crap. How often are you actually seeing that? Because that model-for-model model swing, like you get with uh, Von Stuck and his summoning his kills, that's a big swing. Like, Are you seeing that happen frequently? Is this a finishing move? Is this something you're targeting to try to make happen? If I'm going to attack with it, I'm going to try to target to make it happen. Uh, frequently with uh, Karai, I'm not using her Spirit Barrage because I'm doing a combination of healing injured models and one to two summons a turn. So that uh, her AP are pretty much booked up. That's why I see it intermittently. Uh, the one downside to that trigger is that ordinary are rare too. So if you've hired one or summoned one with Cry, sometimes you'll just hit that cap before you actually get that opportunity to summon. So every other game, uh, I can get it just incidentally. I try not to just try for it because masks are a pretty valuable card in this crew. They get uh, onslaught. For Akirio, uh, they get Cross the River Sanzu to add uh, offensive capability to your movement. But it is something that, if you have the opportunity, you can definitely take it. It's absolutely worth burning a stone for if you have a high non-mass card in your hand, and you can reliably kill the model, like you've seen the Black Joker on damage, uh, so you don't have to worry about accidentally flubbing after putting resources into it. Definitely is worth doing if you have the shot. 
Yeah, um, her also her Lantern of Souls uh, that she brings along uh, really screws over some crews. So you'll see her in Resurrectionist crews in general if you bring anything with Demise abilities. Not Serena. Yeah, going up against Serena, going up against Montresor or Guilty and Jack Daw crew, uh, going up against Leviticus, who just has Demise all over the place. Uh, it is a, a strong counterplay, and... Uh, very few sources of that in the game. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's kind of a shame that Owen's not here, because he freaking brings ashes and dust in every single effing crew. <laughs> and to have something as beautiful as Land Runner Souls, which of course I don't have, is that would just break his little heart, and I would love to do that so much. Well, I think, uh, and this is just my personal opinion, I think Weird messed up a little bit with Karai's crew, uh, and it's one of the reasons why it's so powerful. Um, I don't think there should be, like, I'm Karai should be a summoner, that's just a given. But I don't think she should also get a on-kill summon, and then something in her crew also gets an on-kill summon ability. Like, that's just a little overkill on the summoning aspect of things, uh, and I think that they should have uh, done something, gone a different route with Datsupa. I mean, in, in and of herself, she's just uh, vicious without having that. She didn't need it. I would have probably reduced her soulstone cost by one and removed that trigger. Well, it's kind of interesting because that's something that you see within, you see in a couple of different places in the game. Like if you look at the nightmare keyword, you have Widow Weaver is an alternative summoner. So it's not just something that's limited to Yurami. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head, but that one comes right to mind. Um, what's her face in Ten Thunders? The uh, summons the Katashiro. Um... Yeah, the uh, paper bag people. Yeah. So it, even the though it's something that Katashiro it, and when you do. In a different way. No one likes Katashiro's. And then uh, Resurrectionists actually have the most of them. Uh, they also have, uh, I think somebody mentioned Tashiro um, that can do it. Uh, Guild, I don't think, has one, actually. No, Resurrectionists going way back are the summoning faction. Uh, I'm not surprised that they have more summoning stuff at their disposal. Uh, even when they went down to fewer direct summoners, then uh, in the edition change, Resurrectionists still bring a lot more summoning to the table than other factions. McMorning. Yeah, but I would have preferred for it to be something like, yes, Widow Weaver can summon, but she doesn't really have a way of reliably getting scrap markers. Like, she can do it in the in the game, but like you're either killing something or uh, you're killing one of your... You're bringing a Wicked Doll and turning it into a Stitch Together or something along that line. So I would have rather have seen you know, a more and a more difficult type of thing uh, than uh, maybe it's my problem is mostly just Karai also having a, <laughs> if I kill something, I get to summon stuff too. Maybe your problem is just Karai. I think we have a name of the episode right there. <laughs> okay. So okay. obviously we've gotten to you the D's alphabetically here. What is the next letter in your list? Uh, oddly enough, J. Uh, it's like a plan that. The alphabet is not my strong suit, but below that we have uh, <laughs> and Jakuna Mboy, uh, who is less of a guaranteed pick than Datsoy Boss, but still a very strong piece. Uh, her big shtick, and this again is carryover from earlier editions, is she's a large base model that can put up a 3-inch aura of hazardous terrain 1. Act, in that, act inside that aura, and you take 1 damage. This really plays into Karai's crew 
in trying to make your opponent's life as difficult as possible. You roll her up in the middle of the crew, throw up the aura, and then suddenly every time your opponent tries to do something, they get hurt. This can be further accentuated with her abilities like lure or the trigger on her uh, melee attack to push an opponent so that you can pull enemies into this drowning aura so they not only take damage, but also are inconvenienced whenever they need to activate. And she's reasonably safe to run up into a crew. She has incorporeal, and she has serene countenance. So her the, the only thing that makes her a questionable versus auto pick is how readily your opponent can get positive flips on their attack. If it's something like Parker, where they have ubiquitous fast, get focus, and positive flips on their attack, she's slightly less viable, but still, generally speaking, pretty good. If you can get yeah, her don't into take her Florida, into Cooper. Uh, he'll just annihilate her. Yeah. There are some models... That Please tell some... me you guys have played that matchup. Have not. <laughs> not yet, but we're going to. Uh, there are some... I don't think Josh would take her in that really case. really good at getting that positive flip. Uh, and there she is not ideal. But, you know, you park Jakuna in a forest uh, where she has concealment. Having that double negative on all attacks against her makes her a solid brick that's very difficult to remove. So one of the things, as I listen to other podcast, other lesser podcasts like Third Floor Wars, is they talk <laughs> a lot about because of vengeance that you want to take a lot of focus shots. You want to make your attacks count for more. Aren't you expecting a lot of focus to come in against Jakuna and against the keyword specifically? You are. Uh, the thing about that is that while it's not only good for your opponent to do those focus shots because they're getting past. Uh, they're taking less vengeance damage, they're dealing with fewer instances of being corporeal. This, at least to some extent, plays into one of the big weaknesses of the Karai crew, is that they don't have very good card draw. So actually getting fewer attacks in on you uh, helps you with your own hand management. If you know you're only going to get uh, one attack a turn instead of two, you can more reliably cheat that one good card to stop that one attack rather than hoping you have two good cards uh, to stop two. So there's some give and take in that regard. And, and I will tell you, with Jakuna specifically, uh, helped uh, massively change how the game went uh, when I was going against Josh. The attack, uh, she flipped a red joker, and I flipped a low card. It was something like a five uh, on one of the attacks that she made. And so, with the uh, you know, you can't cheat because it's the red joker. And so her severe plus the hazardous aura uh, and the move that she gets with the, I think it's a ram trigger, something to that effect, um, did, I believe it was seven damage in one hit. And I was like, uh, that didn't yep. feel good. Yeah, no, it, it is it is brutal when she uh, really lands a, a heavy attack on you. But, yeah, you're expected fewer attacks to come in. You can capitalize that a little bit by... Uh, needing fewer cards to defend against them. But it is one of her, uh, in the, is one of the tactics you could use against uh, Arami as a whole is to minimize the amount of vengeance damage you take and the amount of uh, damage that's pulled off by Incorporeal. So we've kind of touched on sort of the the big guys, you know, the henchmen. Uh, I think they're both henchmen, I think. Nope. Or, uh, uh, oh, man. Okay, no. henchmen enforcers. What about kind of the support models? What are you guys looking at for support models? Now, then you're dropping down to the much, much cheaper models. Uh, Clocking in at five soul stones is one of the models that I know Herman loves. 
a great deal. The Lost Love. Uh, also off about a quarter. Just wanted to say. Good old Francis. Uh, brings to the table more vengeance. Uh, has the cool demise haunt ability that if you do kill him, he passes out adversary to everyone within a pulse two of him. But the thing you really bring him for, or at least what I really bring him for, is by your side. To discard a card, to have him placed within uh, two inches of a friendly non-minion model that shares a keyword, means that uh, you can just get some really unparalleled maneuverability out of Francis. And he has some good utility on top of that, dispel magic to remove uh, conditions, and soothe spirits to heal your models with the burnout trigger, so that a model could, instead of healing a bunch, uh, suffer two damage and gain fast. Uh, Does it actually suffer two damage, though? Yes, because incorporeal is uh, attack actions only. It only reduces damage from attack actions, so uh, it does not reduce the damage from burnout. Uh, but, that, that's not like uh, with Teddy, though. If you use burnout on Teddy, Teddy only takes one damage. Just want to point that out. Because he has armor. Yeah, armor, right. armor is, uh, on one hand, a generic damage reduction that hits everything. Uh, on the other can't reduce it to zero. So there's some trade-offs there. Also, it's never going to get used on Teddy because you'll never see that model on the table. True. Your 10 soulstone models are garbage. Um, I I will say that uh, Lost Love prefers to be called Ajax, not Francis. Wow. (laughs) Yep, I went there. Wow, that is a very meta joke. Uh, I'm going to spell it out for you. That is a very... uh... Infinity joke, I think. I just love how a guy from the guild had to die in order to get useful abilities. <laughs> I, I think uh, the lost love uh, himself is uh, kind of counteracts that whole uh, Jakuna or um, Karai taking damage. Um, just his healing alone is, is pretty good. So. Oh, absolutely. But uh, the buyer side, one of the big weaknesses for buyer side when you see it in, say, uh, a Von Shook crew, is that it only applies to non-minion models. So as the game goes on, your opponent takes out your valedictorian, takes out Anna, you're losing models that you can buy your side to. Ikirio is an enforcer. So Karai can repeatedly summon an enforcer back into the game that Lost Love can buy your side to. So you can get a great deal of distance about summoning a, an Ikirio up the field having her move into an advantageous position, and then have Lost Love just bounce to her and go off and do some scheme running. I use him as not a utility support piece, but as the surprise scheme runner who can get into some very distant positions pretty easily to do some like clutch uh, claiming of uh, scheme marker or placing of scheme markers or picking up evidence markers. It's a hmm. great surprise. That's cool. That's like several models within Resurrections that have by your side. Hey, uh, Herman, remind me again: how many models do Neverborn have that have by your side? Um, what what is divide by zero, sir? Infinite. Oh, you have oh, infinite oh. models that have by your side. <laughs> A little bit of math humor right there. Uh, no, no, no. Neverborn players aren't better about all these cool abilities. Not at all. No, I mean the thing, uh, honestly. Like I, as much as I hate by your side, and believe me, I do. That's mostly a von Stuck problem for me. The thing that he's got me with freaking Francis is that dispel magic, because I was trying to control things with conditions and Ajax. Ajax just blew me up right there. Oh, funny story about models that people hate. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, in the 
Capital City Crew podcast group chat, uh, someone asked the question about, you know, the top five models or things that you hate in this game. And it was like, by your side, a curio and Manos. And I'm like, hey, that just sounds like my crew. It warmed my black heart. Yeah, well, Manus can go find a fire and die in it. Uh, no, he can't die. He's he's simply too resilient for that. But That's why he's a problem. <laughs> so, uh, be- getting back to Karai herself, um, I don't know if you approach the game in the same way with Karai that I do. I choose to, uh, after I get past Datsuba and Jakuna, uh, and I the obligatory lost love, I don't include... Uh, any large minions because I figure Karai should summon the large minions because she takes damage from that. So I include more things like Onryo and Seishin and things like that afterwards. Same. Uh, in the models between four and eight soul stones within her crew, you have a number of different options and they're primarily summoning products. Uh, the only two notable exceptions to that are really Onryo, which are a perfectly adequate five soul stone minion, a uh, reasonably good ball carrier for things like uh, corrupted ley lines, um, and excellent sacrificial shock troopers because they also have the demise haunt ability to pass out uh, adversary Arami to models within two inches of them when, when they die. And Shikomi are about the closest that uh, Arami has to a uh, scheme running minion. Even at seven stones, they're kind of pricey for that, but they're really fast. They're walk seven flight, so they can get to places very easily, and they're probably more lethal than most scheme runners out there. They can serve the dual purpose of running schemes, getting places and dropping scheme markers, and also just completely wrecking uh, your opponent's scheme runners with their severe damage of six uh, and puncture, and to uh, more reliably get that six, or the armor pen trigger. And if you do manage to kill something with a Shikome, you get to put an upgrade on it that gives it adaptable. So at the start of its activation, it gets to add a suit. Uh, so you can more reliably get that puncture. You can more reliably get that armor pen to uh, to pull off those big damage hits. But other than that, yeah, everything else between four and eight soul stones is just summoning fodder. You want to go for as big as possible, typically. So we're talking Goryo, which on a 50 millimeter base with a good damage spread and some excellent bonus actions. Uh, or Shikome for the aforementioned speed plus lethality. So I had a kind of a quick question on that. I believe the drowned are Arami keyword as well. Have there been any uses really found for those? Any sort of niche cases where you would take them, where you would use them or summon them? Well, one of them did win me a tournament game. I will say that. Uh, my primary issue with the drown is that they're incredibly slow. They're just a crippling walk. Man, man if only there were things within this crew that could make them move. I don't know. I, I don't know. Spending a seven to get them to move four inches is really a good investment. But uh, Drown do bring some interesting t- toys, but they're not as generically useful as a uh, Shikome or a uh, Goryeo. Well, what was the situation where it won you the game? Um, That was... A slow, distracted drowned managing to land a, uh, a projectile vomit on a model hiding in a forest. So I was flipping. I was flipping three cards, taking the lowest, and managed to severe and then red Joker on the damage. 
okay, that doesn't doesn't really sound like a great um, thing for the drown specifically. No, no. Uh, and then it managed to stagger it with its startle bonus action to uh, make it so that they couldn't charge me again. There was some there was some just exquisite bullshit going on right there, and I would not call it a generically uh, reliable tech. So um, I actually like the drowned, but uh, I, I, different reasons. Uh, I like them uh, taking them sometimes with Jack Daw because his crew in general is just kind of slower. But uh, I, I don't mind the drowned themselves, particularly because uh, not necessarily hiring them as much, but Karai can summon them where they're needed. And they're a good little tarred pit, uh, you know, with combat finesse, hard to wound, vengeance. Like they're, they're not a bad thing to have in a fight. Yeah, it was just something where like you never you never hear about them. You know, this wasn't on any of our show notes or anything like that. I've never seen one on the table. So while I had the expert and a half here, I wanted to kind of bring them up. If I had a nine of crows to pull off a summon and couldn't reliably get anything larger, I wouldn't feel bad summoning a drown as long as you know the vent the uh, the damage from the upgrade doesn't kill me. It's just if given the choice, I'll pick larger things absolutely it was very rarely an instance where i'm like you know what i need right now a drown well i mean they can hold points uh like uh oh strat picking up to objective things in your field i don't remember the name of it good lord Uh, oh yeah they're they're hardly useless it's just that if you can afford a more expensive one i'm almost certainly going to go for the expensive one and if you can't get those more expensive ones, like you have two Goryo and two Shikome already out, well then you're then you're in a pretty good spot. Well, um, I, I I know how much Josh loves Rube Goldbricks, uh, so uh, I got one for you. I was actually in a tournament once. This is at a Nova tournament, and I was playing against Cry Cry Crew, and he used Lost Love on Datsuba to give Datsuba fast. So Datsuba has fast. She does whatever it is, denial, sand, whatever. She makes uh, a Onryu charge in. Onryu does his attack on something. Then she shoots the Onryu. I have no clue why. Uses a soul stone to get rid of the, the negative. Uh, shoots the, the Onryu. It dies. Gives adversary to the thing that it had just attacked. And then uses another soul stone to kill with uh, five damage. Because now my model had... Uh, adversary uh Uriami on it and did five damage to a model and then got a another uh what was on you after that and i was like okay so like cool why didn't you just attack twice like use that soul stone to give yourself a tome to put adversary and it didn't make any sense to me but he did it and the, they lost the game bad but you know i, I thought it was kind of interesting at the time i thought this was a really weird plan it was a lot of steps to accomplish that uh, I don't know what cards they had on them <laughs> to do that. Um, there are similar things you can do that I would absolutely consider uh, viable tactics. If you can take out your... If you have a 1 damage Onryo uh, that you can shoot and just kill, you have a 1 damage Kyrio you can shoot and just kill, or 1 wound to Kyrio you can shoot and just kill, uh, absolutely worth taking them out to summon a stronger full wound version uh, later on down the road. Uh... But the last notable minion in the Arami crew are the Wii stations. Uh, back, they've, they've fallen <laughs> the in... The Wii little station. That's the wrong keyword. 
<laughs> uh, they fall in uh, in in status and glory from previous editions where you'd always take five. Uh, and now you can take one or two of these little two soulstone minions for the interesting bits of utility they provide. They have an aura that heals Rami models that start their activation with the two of them. Uh, they have guide spirits so that they could use those to give other spirits walk actions. And they have a demise card draw. Uh, because most of their abilities are either auras that don't overlap or uh, actions that require moderately high cards to pull off, I see a lot of diminishing utility from them once you get past, like, two. But for four soul stones for two station, it is a pretty good deal. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you are hearing the best two soul stone minion in the game. Uh, That's actually kind of hard to argue with. They are, they're definitely up there. I really like them. Uh, their primary drawback is that they are soft targets. They don't have vengeance. Uh, they only have two wounds. And they don't have any... They're they two soul stones. And that's fine. The, the issue is a, that... A Malifaux rat is also two soul stones. The, the Station's probably better than the rat. Station's way better than the rat. Off of them, uh, to hit other models in the crew. And that gets past vengeance. And... Uh, does damage to models that would otherwise be protected by things like Karai with protected or running. So it's not a so much a market in their uh, against them because, like you said, they're two soul stones. Uh, it's just something to be aware of when you have them. They can be a liability if your opponent has lots of good blast. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely used them as kind of a blast target before. Yeah, and so if you take the the models that I described here. Uh, Cry, Ikirio, Datsui Ba, uh, Jakuna, Lost Love in Two Stations. Uh, that's uh, 24 to 26 Soul Stones. Uh, the last notable member of the crew, and this is one you simply should not forget, the Whisper upgrade on Karai. Uh, Karai has needs to know with absolute certainty one to two cards around. You want to know exactly what you're flipping for your summons, because they're once turn abilities that require high TNs that you have to specify ahead of time and well-defined suits. So having the whisper to be able to know exactly what you're getting and to carefully calculate the exact amount of soul stones you want to spend to accomplish a task is just invaluable. I'd make the argument I don't see a reason not to take the whisper on most uh, leaders within the Resurrectionist faction. I mean, you have some ridiculously good upgrades in that faction. It's true. They really do. Uh, Karai, I think, is the one that needs the Whisper the most. The Whisper is really beneficial for a lot of them. Uh, there's some question about Killer Instinct versus the Whisper as specific tech picks for your more offensive masters going into crews that have a uh, high likelihood of terrifying. But uh, the Whisper on Karai is just an auto-take, in my opinion. Remember, he also said it was auto-take on Von Stuck. Hmm. Also, auto take on uh, uh, what's her name with the flute, Chiaki. Highly useful on Chiaki. Uh, absolutely essential on Cry. Bunch Duck, you, you do. He's again has the sort of same summoner restriction where you need to know that one card per turn with absolute certainty. Um, highly advantageous, but Cry, auto take. First, first member of the crew, first thing I add. I, I just want to point out, uh, for two soul stones, you get a master level ability that Leviticus pays life in order to do. 
So uh, <laughs> I don't see any reason not to take it. So I see lots of reasons to be jealous. Mm, probably. Okay, so real quick, out of keyword stuff. The out of keyword stuff is uh, you have to be very selective for it because the Rami keyword is very focused. The adversary condition, most of the abilities just trigger off of Rami. So you need to have something that brings utility to the table that you just otherwise wouldn't be able to get. And there's really three models that I think uh, rise to that standard. Uh, first and foremost, Manos the Risen, everyone's favorite model. The reason behind this is that if it's one thing that Arami is not actually very good at, it's high quality scheme runners. And by high quality scheme runners, I mean models that can reliably drop two scheme markers in a turn. They can do two scheme markers. Wait, there are models that do that? Fuck Neverborn. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Manos is one of them. For 10 soul stones out of keyword, uh, you get unsuited leap that he can damage models, either himself or others, to, to get that suit for. Good offensive capability, strong resilience, uh, and another uh, instance of Lantern of Soul. So it is a very high utility model. That is, yeah, he he, he shows up enough that people hate him. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Lantern of Souls, and uh, also known as Screw You Leviticus. So also known uh, as I, I, I approve Leviticus. The problem with Lantern of Souls is I end up being on that Screw You side quite a bit. Maybe you should try. Not playing I'm, Serena with every crew? Maybe no, no, uh, I, I get healing. Serena's still worth taking every crew. So good. She, she's so, so useful. So good. Uh, another one that I will take, and this is a slightly more uh, select situation, is Anna Lovelace. Um, mm. as, as I previously mentioned, one of the big weaknesses in Arami is their abysmal card draw, yet high demand for cards. Uh, and Anna can help deal with that. She also brings the table... Oh, she can help her deal with it in two ways. Either uh, through studied opponents to draw cards when they have magic suits, or through her uh, bonus action that lets you remove uh, markers to draw cards. She also has some really high-utility auras uh, that you either prevent placing near her or enemy models uh, targeting other enemy models with actions. So... If you think you're going to be going up against models that you really place, such as Summoners, or someone like Mei Fang, or uh, Von Stuck, she's very useful, uh, against Support Masters that are going to try to target other models that, that may be near Anna, also very useful. Uh, but you have to make sure you're going up against mo uh, crews that can fuel her bonus action. Crews that drop corpse or, scheme, corpse or scrap markers, uh, because the Arami itself just doesn't. She also severely screws over crews like Dreamer, uh, where suddenly you don't get your summons out anymore. Pretty much. Yeah, uh, and Tara as well. Yeah, he used her pretty effectively against uh, Widow Weaver and Bandersnatch trying to hop around. So yeah, she's Anna's definitely more of a finicky tech pick uh, based on the specifics of what your opponent's crew will bring. Uh, and the last one uh, is Molly. Again, Boo, his multiple masters. Oh, you suck. Suck it up. Boo, uh, his Molly. <laughs> you always said like one of the most hated masters with another one of the most hated masters right there. But they're such good friends. On, on top of them just being perfectly uh, appropriate to bring together from a fluff standpoint for people who care about that, uh, she brings the mad card draw. And that is one of the big weaknesses of the Arami crew. You can now fuel stuff like by your side, like protect the Arami more easily. Uh, 
Molly also brings focus. There are not very many instances of abilities within the Urami crew that hand out focus. Uh, so having someone that can do that pretty casually um, is a big benefit to the crew. Other than that, you're largely wanting to stick within your keyword. What about you, Jeff? Any off-the-wall ideas? Uh, I will say I don't like the multiple master things, and but I do think that the Karai Mali uh, tag team duo is really powerful because if somebody decides that they're going to uh, use one of the tactics we're talking going to talk about against Karai, where you go try to go out all out in Karai and you use your hand uh, to you know, basically deplete Karai's summoning ability. Molly can get you some of those cards back, but on top of that, she punishes you for not having cards in your hand. So just, Molly is a very good uh, counter to that. So be aware of Molly. Uh, she can cause you some problems. Uh, that's in tournaments that allow multiple masters, um, but it, it is an, a, an issue to be aware of. Um, Thankfully, they banned those in the UK where we don't play. More yeah. in friendly games, but I don't know what sort of friendly games you would bring cry molly into our friendly games <laughs> our games are not friendly they are life and death hmm. right, um so. I, I will say uh in, in the past i would have brought uh archie but when archie got his nerf uh he became not as useful um the, the big thing with cry is because her larger beaters that she brings uh with her crew she's summoning in uh the the bigger minions uh and you're not hiring them so you've got a lot of leeway within our crew to take other things that you need. Um, a dead writer is never a bad thing to look at, uh, especially depending on what the strats and schemes look like. So uh, those are things to keep in mind. All right, so we're going to take a break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit of tactics on both things that she's going to do to you and things that you are going to do to her. <laughs> So we are back. So we're going to touch really briefly on some of the tactics that we haven't gone over as we've been talking through Karai. So let's talk about kind of like what's her threat range. So one of the things like, you know, when we go through like the Von Shatuk episode, we talk about, hey, Val Victorian, she's going to get to you. But it's going to be if you can manage that range, you can manage how much she gets to you. What about Karai? What sort of distances are we looking at for her? Depending on exactly what you bring in your crew and what resources you're willing to put into it, she has a very highly variable threat range. Uh, just for the models alone, they're pretty fast. We're talking walk 5 to walk 6. Securio is walk 6, threat range 1. Uh, no one has 2-inch melee in this, but uh, we have a lot of walk 5, walk 6, 1-inch melee. So that's pretty fast. Um, then you start throwing on things like Guide Spirits, which is giving your minions a walk action. And these walk actions, by virtue of being corporeal and flight, are typically not impeded by terrain at all. In fact, you can use terrain to your advantage in these cases, move up and hide behind walls, and you can just run straight through when you have another action. Uh, so that's adding uh, extra movement on top of all these things. So instead of being uh, a walk plus charge away, you're now just a charge away from a model that's, that's 12 inches away from Ethereum. Uh, and you can further augment this with things like Datsubaz, Cross the River Sanzu, so you can have them take a walk action and then suddenly a charge action, so you're getting 12 free inches of movement out of the model in one turn, uh, plus an attack action. So you can get them uh, up in their face from a, a massive distance away quite quickly. 
Uh, you can couple that with uh, burnout from The Lost Love to, hypothetically speaking, get somewhere between four and seven attacks out of Datsoipa, or no, out of Akirio from uh, 12 inches away uh, on a single turn. Coupling with that, um, one of the worst things that you can do, which we mentioned earlier, is um, killing a Kiryu in the middle of the turn after she's already gone. But if that happens, uh, the worst thing that can happen following that is if Karai goes last, uh, because theoretically she can double walk 10 inches, summon a Kiryu out 6 inches away from her, uh, giving Kiryu roughly an 18-inch range uh, from where Karai was, and then a Kiryu can charge another six inches or walk and charge another six inches. So you're looking at crossing the entire board with a Kiryu if you needed to. So the the threat range on that is pretty extreme. Now, when they do this, the models are going to be very overextended, uh, and it in other crews that would be a serious problem. Overextending a Kyrio, not always a bad thing. That's forcing them to deal with her right now, and you could then move the rest of your crew up in a more reasonable pace uh, now that you've sort of established your tar pit there. So you send in your suicidal shock troopers, and then follow it up with the slightly slower moving uh, uh, other units. Onryo uh, and uh, Chikuna are slightly notable in this, in this regard, as they are some of the few range attacks in this crew. Uh, they have Projected Voice, uh, which has, I believe, a 10-inch range uh, as one of the few range attacks in the crew. So they, even if they can't get to you with their melee attacks, they can either Projected Voice as an attack or use Lure uh, from a 12-inch range from Jakuna to pull your models in closer to get, uh, get them ambushed by some of these slower-moving spirits. So the long answer, or the short answer to your question is very far. Threat range is very long. So, I mean, one of the things is, that, like, you're talking about very long threat range. You're still looking at, like, maybe a single attack at the end of some of these. So, I mean, oh, is she concerned? No, no, no. no. <laughs> so, no, uh, put aside your Kirio nonsense. You know, without, it, it, as we mentioned earlier, uh, you don't necessarily have to bring a Kirio. So, if you don't apply hand pressure to Karai and she is the last person to go, um, basically what can happen is uh, the Saishin can kind of be positioning Karai to move forward or getting into a good position. Karai can just walk once, summon a Kiryu out, and then afterwards summon something like a Goryo if you didn't put on hand pressure and that she has the cards in her hand. Now you have two massive beaters that have just showed up right in front of you uh, that can start... Uh, roughly 13, 14 inches away from where Karai started, and then they still have their threat ranges. So that first turn, if you haven't applied any pressure to Karai, any hand pressure at all, uh, you are you could be looking for a hurting. Uh, in terms of some of the fancier tricks that her high-cost summons could do, Goryo, in addition to their very good melee attack, also have a bonus action tactical uh, hunting spirits that will do AOE damage. It's a uh, willpower test to avoid a 2-3-4 damage flip, a negative flip. Uh, so they can move up and do two damaging actions, uh, even when summoned, even when slow. And depending on what the, the schemes and strats that you're playing on, if the Karai player doesn't care about uh, losing their, their models for something like 
uh, I don't know, like collect the bounty or something like that, uh, go ahead, kill the Goryeo, kill the Kiryu. I don't care. You're hurting yourself while you're doing it. I just used a card to get that out, and I don't really care what happens to them after that. They're just there to tie you up while I go accomplish my stuff. So once you've established the tar pit, uh, it's reasonably easy to maintain, and your opponent is likely going to be suffering the brunt of the damage from it. They'll be taking damage from the attacks, they'll be taking damage from vengeance, they'll be taking damage from uh, violent ghosts. That's the ability on... uh, the Goryeo. So even if they're only getting that one actual attack off, they have other sources of damage uh, that will come out even as you're trying to fight back against them. Well, and it's like, because I was kind of asking the question of when she's playing against them, does she prefer to see a brick like Iron Sides, or does she prefer to see something spread out where you can isolate models like the Vix? Yes. To both. I will slap you. If you're grouped up, then she summons things like uh, Goryo that are going to go in and AoE and just try to tie up things, and when you kill them, you take damage. Um, if you're spread out, then she's going to summon things like Shikome that are very good at running along the edges and taking out scheme runners. Uh, so if you spread out, uh, they're going to come after you, and when they kill something, they get an upgrade that gives them... Uh, a suit to their attacks. So like uh, either way that you go, she has a tool for you. Uh, speaking about those tar pits, one of the most annoying things is when you've, or you have to go, you're getting later in the game and uh, you're, you've got this tar pit in front of you and you've engin- engineered a way of getting out of it. Like you've gotten the Goryeo or whatever is tar pitting you down, down to where it's a low enough life. And you're like, okay, one hit. And then I can move out of the way and go do this. And suddenly that lost love that you haven't been really paying attention to all game discards a card and is also tying you up. Like, like things like that are really annoying. If you have to choose between being spread out and picked off versus clustered up and target, you probably want to err on the side of spreading out because then you're less vulnerable to violent ghosts, you're less vulnerable to uh, demise haunted, and you're less vulnerable to jacunas drowning aura. Staying spread out uh, lets you at least mitigate some of the close range uh, AOE effects that the crew has so that you can minimize the hurt that you are experiencing. Yeah, you're going to have to weigh your keyword, and if your keyword's abilities uh, are worth it for uh, with the thing that you're going against here. Because uh, uh, it's not it's never a good idea. You're, you're trying to apply hand pressure on her. It's never a good idea for her to force you to take multiple uh, you know, willpower tests and things like that to avoid taking massive damage. Okay, so then what does she not like to see? So we've talked about hand pressure a lot. So I'm guessing she's not going to see like a lot of things like Lucius, like Nelly, where that are going to have like those discards built in. But what are the things that are kind of messing with her? So to look at the stuff that that gives her grief, you can look at the individual abilities that she has and see what they don't like. Uh, in that sense, again, uh, Karai ends up being a very well-designed crew that, while she's very strong and synergistic, her weaknesses are also somewhat synergistic. Uh, incorporeal and Vengeance both suffer from the same drawbacks. They are not good against non-attack actions, so and they're not good against stuff that doesn't specifically target that model. Uh, 
for so in that case, you want to use stuff like shockwave or like tactical actions that cause damage. Tactical actions that cause damage are one of the big weaknesses of the Karai crew because they get around incorporeal, they get around vengeance. So in, in this sense, uh, anyone who's familiar with the first edition fluff of uh, Karai versus Hamlin will see that there is a dramatic reversal in this edition where Hamlin suddenly has a, a strong leg up on Cry, being able to drop those uh, tactical actions that cause a large amount of damage, getting past Vengeance, getting past Incorporeal, getting past Terrified, so they can circumvent a number of her defensive features to take out her models, all of which typically have lower wound count by virtue of their incorporeality. And it's interesting because that's kind of reversed from normal resurrectionist stuff where they have an extra wound count because of having heart to wound and being undead. Yeah. It, it, it's, they are the squishy in terms of hit point total, more resilient in terms of defensive features. And it's uh, also interesting because like with heart to wound, normally you don't do so much focus against resers. Where here you actually want to have that focused. Oh, I'm going to throw out, out there that, uh, and you're hearing it. Uh, I don't know if anyone, any of these other podcasts have talked about this first, uh, groundbreaking tech here, but, uh, if you uh, have obeys, and there's a lot of uh, models in the game that have obeys now, or you're playing an obey master, uh, if you obey, uh, like as an example, Akiryu likes running in and killing something. If she runs in and kills something, uh, and you obey her to charge back in, or obey any of the other models, uh, most of the things uh, like um, Serene Countenance from Jakuna, they specifically say enemy model. So you get around most of those abilities, including... Uh, uh, the serene countenance, manipulative things like that. But uh, if nobody's ever looked at the the uh, actual definition in, or the vengeance ability itself, it says after resolving an attack act, an action that targeted and damaged this model, the attacking model suffers plus one damage. It doesn't matter whether it's your model, their model. If I do an attack action with one of your models and the model that it's attacking has vengeance, the attacking model takes damage. So if you charge a Kiryu into, uh, let's say, uh, Jakuna, I get to ignore the Serene Countenance, and then a Kiryu also takes a point of damage. Boom! Groundbreaking tech. <laughs> I mean, Obey is always powerful, and obviously we all enjoy Kiryu hurting herself to hurt you. I, I know what Josh is doing right now. He's looking at the card going, hold on, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, there's that, 100%, 100% legit stuff like three countenance and uh, manipulative and incorporeal. Oh, not incorporeal. Three countenance and manipulative specify enemy attack action. Vengeance does not. Um, yeah, it's it's a good kind. Of, it's one of those niche abilities. There are a number of other sort of niche tech counters for the Akira crew, like pieces of tech that you only see sporadically. Uh, well, you can generally say hand pressure is really good against Cry. There are some things that are just specifically designed to, to screw over summoners. Uh, the exorcism trigger, you get a bunch of guild models. Uh, Gravity Well uh, from Anna and from uh, Eric uh, Schottmeyer in uh, the uh, Von Schill crew uh, prevent placing. So you cannot place within six inches of them, um, which can limit your options. And if you have a slow model like the Drowned, you can't then charge them into uh, Eric because they won't have the melee reach for it. But those are more situational pieces. 
I mean, I think that's actually something to to ask right right up front. Is is there a lot of two inch reach in the crew? There is not two inch reach. There is zero two inch reach in in her entire crew. There's zero two well, inch man, reach, and there's that. zero uh, min three, and that's another big feature. Uh, hard to wound is remarkably effective against an Arami crew because if you can keep them the weak damage, that's two damage, and that's not very good for an eight soul stone model to be hitting for a mighty two damage. So a uh, similar if you, thing. If you have hard to wound and armor, uh, looking over at you, Von Stuck, uh, it's a pretty good crew to bring up. The only thing you need to watch out for is a curie that's just going to bypass all your stuff. Shikome as well. Uh, that can get the armor yep, pen trigger. Uh, yeah, her weak damage is not that great. And I know Akirio being irreducible is is really scary against the models that that's relevant for. If you manage to base her with something that uh, is just a bucket of hit points and good stats, uh, the fact that it's irreducible is not that great. It's still just a 2, 3, 4 damage threat at that point. Um, if you're not relying on, on reduction or prevention to, to mitigate your damage, and you're just doing stuff like hard to wound, you can still tag her reasonably well. Uh, by just soaking up uh, two to three damage hits. Yeah, if you have a high defense model with hard to wound, uh, going against a Kiryu, like, you're going to tie up a Kiryu just as much as she's going to tie you up. And that gets to one of the weaknesses in her crew's mobility, is that most of her mobility tricks, the uh, guide spirits, they are actually walk action. So they are bound by all the restrictions associated with walk action. So you can't leave engagement with them because it's an actual walk action. Uh, that uh, trigger on uh, that's very boss guide spirits across the river center. It's a charge action. So if they are unable to take charge actions, then they can't take that action. Uh, so it it you can uh, limit the effectiveness of some of her tech by knowing exactly what it is and positioning your models accordingly. Yeah, and that's where like, I had tried to come at her with a lot of staggered in order to slow down, things like that. Um, unfortunately, I ran into the Lost Love, so that plan got a little bit limited. But there's a lot of movement of other models moving your models. Well, there's also, uh, this is where one of the reasons why Jakuna is good to bring into the, the crew. Uh, she's got her lore, uh, which can help you to get people out of combat if you need to. But uh, if you're ever in a pinch and you need to, you can also charge something and just shove them with her attack action. I mean, it's not an ideal thing, but sometimes you got to do it. The other ability you have to concern yourself with countering when dealing with Arami is Vengeance. Vengeance is the one damage whenever you attack them. Uh, attack and do damage. The ways to deal with that are, first of all, avoiding it. It is only for abilities that target the model. So again, tactical actions that cause damage, shockwaves, are, are good to use against it because they don't target and therefore don't trigger vengeance. Uh, AoE damage in general is good because it only applies to the model targeted. So if you damage four models with vengeance, you're only taking the damage from the one you targeted with that blast attack. And beyond that, you can just uh, deal with that small amount of damage in the same way you'd always deal with small amounts of damage. You can get efficient healing, such as uh, the Librarian in Outcasts that has an AoE healing pulse. You can get shielded to soak up that one damage. Or you can just kill stuff in as few hits as possible. Because uh, with the way the Vengeance ability is worded, 
if you kill the model, it's no longer there to trigger vengeance. So that last hit that takes it out uh, will not trigger the vengeance ability. So if you can just clear out a model in one hit, no vengeance. Simple as that. Yeah, some of the most effective Karai players that I've seen, uh, they don't bother to try to beat your flips uh, because they're uh, resurrectionists and their stats are generally lower than yours. They just try to make sure that uh, they'll cheat in low five, six, sevens in order to uh, make sure you're on a negative flip uh, when you're attacking them, and their incorporeal will take away one damage from what you're doing. Uh, but you like so that you know if you're hitting them for two, they're only taking one. You're also taking one, and they're going to win that attrition game every time. Yeah, so um, I don't know if any of you all had delved into any sort of spe- faction-specific counters into her. I had dug into a little bit for Neverborn and Guild because that's sort of the area that I know about. Oh, yes, I have. Uh, and I I am happy to say that I can talk a- uh, about at least a couple of Masters now that uh, Weird has started releasing to the public uh, the Masters that exist for Explorer Society. So You're th- there's a couple of things that we're going to be able to talk about. What was that? You were chomping at the bit for this Explorer Society. Oh, yeah. I get to actually talk about some of these things. Uh, Obviously, I can't talk about their crews, but uh, the keyword abilities that work, oh, I'm so excited about being able to reveal some of these because now uh, that Weird has talked about them, you know, it's public knowledge, so I can mention them. uh, Well, fire away. Be excited. Okay. um, Well, let's start with uh, the most recent master that came out, Nexus, has an interesting ability uh, on its card. Uh, I had it pulled up, and there it is. Um, We are Legion. Uh, They have this interesting thing about putting parasites onto stuff, uh, and whenever it puts a parasite on from the Will of Cadmus, you can see that uh, basically you get to the with the parasite you get to treat somebody as they're as if they're a friendly model. So if you put a parasite on any of anything on the Karai crew and you go to attack it, you're going to take one damage from Vengeance, but you can immediately turn around and give that one damage back to the, uh, the model that you attacked because they have a parasite. And uh, that just makes for now Vengeance is actually hurting the Karai crew instead of helping them. Uh, the only thing is you have to get the parasite on, and uh, you know that's that's an issue. But uh, more will come out with that when we get to the Nexus podcast. But that's awesome. Uh, similarly, uh, people have seen the podcast for Cooper. Uh, Cooper can choose to uh, suffer a negative on his damage in order to get a positive on his attack, which is great for uh, all of these abilities like uh, Serene Countenance and things like that, where uh, he can choose to go that route or. Uh, he can do the opposite, where he gains a uh, negative on the attack, and that will usually cancel out his um, adversary that he puts on things uh, in order to get a positive. And so you're wanting to look for those big, large damage hits, and his crew can do that because they can, you know, they're can they basically getting a pseudo-focus uh, every time that they shoot. So uh, those are two that I specifically bring up uh, in this instance. I don't know if you have more that you want to mention from the Neverborn side. Yeah, so on the Neverborn side, I was just kind of going through uh, things that I thought would be pretty useful. And one of the things we talked about kind of throughout this episode has been uh, a lot of focus. And one of the models that's really key and really useful across all of Neverborn really is a Black Blood Shaman. Is He has that ability, if you've got a mask in hand, to zip on out, generate a corpse marker, pick that up, and pulse out focus. So if you're going through and you're playing like the Nephilim keyword specifically, you may want to think about bringing in two of them. As long as, again, you have those masks in hand, which sometimes is a little bit iffy to have the right suits. 
Uh, other things that I had was I just had Nightmare in general. That's where all of your ignoring and corporeal models are. That's Serena, Dreamer, Lord Chompy, Daydreams. Obviously, Serena's versatile. She's really useful across the faction as healing and condition removal. So she really checks a lot of boxes going into this where she's able to offensively ignore incorporeal, defensively heal your guys, and defensively remove that adversary condition. I would also point out that Black Blood is another example of a non-attack action source of damage and therefore is ignored by uh, ignores incorporeal. So it is a way to pump out damage in an AoE that is not mitigated by the primary defensive features of the Arami crew. Yeah, and uh, not only does it ignore vengeance, it also ignores incorporeal because it's not an attack action. So just splash away. Yeah, the one thing that I was a little sad about is it's not triggered by vengeance. It's true. Otherwise, we'd just get this loop that everyone would suddenly explode. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with that? Um, up after it. Oh, God. So otherwise, um, I have actually played a decent amount of Savage, uh, coincidentally, into Arami. And there's actually, I think, a lot of useful features in Savage keyword. Uh, particularly, you have Frozen Vigor handing out a lot of Shielded. And then you have the Garyons with an extended reach. So I've done things where, you know, you, you can't charge me, but I'm going to have this focus on the Garyons, so they're going to be able to come out. They hit pretty hard. Uh, I believe they're 3, 4, 6 off the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure the internet will correct me if I'm wrong there. So you can have the Blackwood Shaman. He comes out, he pulses all that focus. Eventually he'll grow up into Mature. And in the meantime, you have this nice little tank that's got built-in healing, built-in shielded, and built-in a lot of focus and damage. Yeah, I play uh, my uh, Savage keyword a little differently. Uh, you like the Garyons. Uh, I actually like the Gigants. And in a similar vein, having a Blackblood Shaman give the Gigants focus and having them throw rocks at things from behind cover and hitting a Scytion and uh, blasting off onto other things is also kind of fun. Yeah, no, and not, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Gigants as well. It, my only downside to them is they have a range 8 and they automatically push models out of their range for the second shot. That's why you make it a really big shot. Yeah. And I, well, I mean, focus and the old ways just synergized so well together. I mean, it's beautiful. But we can probably save that for a different episode. Um, some other out of keyword models that I thought were actually really useful uh, Hinamatsu. She's got the positives to hit and very useful for Jakuna. Um, she just uh, get herself killed on Vengeance because you're hitting them from for one damage like five times? Uh, I mean, she's specifically my pick for Jakuna, so you can focus her up also uh, and work around it that way. But oh, so I mean, two damage every single time she's attacked Jakuna. I need something that does positives. <laughs> I've, I've actually had Hinamatsu uh, almost kill herself going into Yan Lo with a similar thing with Incorporeal and Hazardous Damage Aura. It is not pretty for Hinamatsu. Well, you can also, uh, with, because Hinamatsu is so mobile, uh, she can actually get in on a Karai, and she is a solid threat to Karai. Uh, you know, you want to shove off one of my attacks, okay, I'm going to kill the Saishin and keep coming at you, because she gets so many attacks per turn. I mean, that's a really good point also. Plus, luring uh, Akiri away from your stuff is always a good idea. <laughs> oh, when talking about lure, one of the interesting things, note with force movement in general and cry, uh, one tactic for 
other crews to deal with force movement is to put the model like in a position they cannot be readily moved. So they're either surrounded or backstopped by terrain or other models. So if you push them, they just bounce off the model and don't go anywhere. That's not something you could do with a Karai crew. Her models are all incorporeal. So if you lure uh, a model, it'll just walk through everyone else. If you push a model, it'll push through terrain, it'll push through enemy models, it'll push through friendly models. Uh, you can use this, and I've had this done to me, where you can get Karai or other members of the crew out of position uh, by pushing them through each other. So Karai wants to be within two inches of a model to dump off attacks for uh, protected Arami. You can just push her, push her straight through her own models and get her out of range. Uh, so that you can then just attack her with impunity. And it is always fun with uh, when playing bass, uh, when they're in some form of uh, cover or severe terrain, to just port them to the other side of that t- severe terrain and negate all movement that they've done that turn. Bass is one good ability. Yeah, his only a good ability that he has. He has a lot of trouble. He, yeah, his his shotgun's not bad. It should have been a uh, a different gun where it the low range doesn't help. But this isn't a bass podcast, so we'll stop talking about him. No, this is a Neverborn podcast where we're talking about all the low range. Um, one thing actually to cycle back real quick to Serena is she is also a very good counter to Jakuna because she has Hole in the World as a trigger on her gun, so you can place Jakuna six inches away and toss her away from you to get away from that. Um, Hazardous terrain aura, and we've as we've been playing our games with Kirai and whomever I'm playing with Neverborn, she's that's come up a lot. And the last thing that I'd like to to mention, uh, and this is just for me, one of the biggest things when you're playing against Kirai to remember is you do not win the game by killing models in most cases. You win the game by focusing on your strats and your schemes. If you get into the game of I'm going to go kill Kirai's models because I think it's going to be fun you're probably going to lose that game because that's not the focus of the game that you want to be playing. You should be looking, especially if you're playing against a Karai, things where you don't have to attack them uh, a lot because every attack that you do, you're going to take damage and he's just going to, or she is just going to bring more things out in order to tie you up. So play your game your way. Don't let her pull you into her game. You're like the Burger King of Malifaux. Oh, because I want to have it my way? Pretty much. Um, so one last model I did want to touch on that's kind of, I thought a little interesting, is actually Wrath in Neverborn. Uh, Yurami is a very melee, intensive melee-focused crew, and they're going to be coming to you. They're going to be kind of, you know, we've talked about the different ways of tar pitting, different ways of jamming you up. So they're going to be generating a lot of sin tokens if you're able to place him properly and they get within that six-inch aura. Both Destructive Performance and Violent Ghosts are tacticals. So in theory, if he's properly positioned and everything goes perfectly, he can knock out six damage that ignores Incorporeal and then force another willpower check that can do, I think it's two, three, four damage that will also ignore Incorporeal. None of this takes damage from Vengeance. And I think he can be a very useful pick that way. Uh, He can also use those Sin Tokens to redirect attacks. So that way that kind of lessens some of the impact of Ikirio on trying to you know take out one single model you can spread out the damage a little bit so i just thought that's kind of a niche pick and you don't see a lot of wrath so i thought it was kind of a nice way to kind of scoot him into the topic yeah there's a reason you don't see a lot of wrath because you're a gentle soul no because even people that play the crossroads seven think wrath is garbage 
creativity. It's all about creativity. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, this is I'm going to shout, do a shout out to Weird here. Um, find these Crossroads Sevens players uh, and find out which faction they're choosing to be their leader, uh, like because they can choose which faction. Uh, the factions that they pick more often are the ones with the broken upgrades. The ones that they avoid are the ones with the really bad upgrades that you should look at. That is an entirely different discussion. I don't even agree with that in, in a generic sense. Uh, case in point, Sloth is a garbage leader for the Crossroads 7, even though the upgrades in Resurrectionist are just top-notch. I mean, I like Sloth. You are Sloth. He has a point there. Oh, oh the Goonies. Hey, you guys! Don't make this and on that note, that leads us right straight into Guild, doesn't it? What? Why are we talking about the Guild? Wrong podcast, bro. Ah, shut your face hole. They're inching their way up in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a few things in Guild to touch on. Obviously, within the Marshall keyword, you have a lot of focus against Resurrectionists. Uh, particularly, I think the Exorcist is worth highlighting. He ignores Terrifying, he ignores Incorporeal, and he has the trigger to just straight up get rid of summon models. Being able to knock off these summons with one AP is very efficient, even if you're spending that high crow to cancel out Karai's high crow. It keeps things manageable. In a general sense. I'm still just angry at the Marshall keyword because they decided to, after all of these years, still just pick a keyword and be like, oh yeah, this one counters an entire faction. Like, why? Why would you do that? To prop up the rest of the faction? Uh, no, that takes me back to the days of like um, Mark One, where everyone thought Guild was OP because they had a master for every opponent. No one wants to go back to the days of Mark One. If if your argument is, one. oh man, one, Mark One. All right, continue, continue on with your uh, dumb faction counters. Uh, you have the Lone Marshal as well. One, he's an excellent overall model. Two, he also gets rid of models with a summon upgrade on his bonus action trigger. And then the jury. Same thing, automatically damaging summon models. And the jury is also very interesting because a lot of counter to uh, triggers, which functions very well with a curio coming into you, you want to stop some of that. Uh, you move down into then Elite Journalist. This translates a little bit over into Neverborn 2 with Lucius being double faction. But lots of hand drain, lots of pressure on Kirai's resources. Uh, you have Fiona Gage, who's one of the best tankiest models um, probably in the game almost at this point. And she can take a lot of those hits that would be going into your other guys. You can force, you know, models into her. You have a lot of shielded. The lawyers put it out. Dade puts it out. That helps to take away some of the pain from Vengeance. And both Lucius and and really and both uh, can do a lot of execute spam. Where you do that hand drain, you take out a lot of Kirai's things, and you just, you know... Uh, have the Agent 46, he can Soulstone in for the Execute trigger and just pop off models very quickly, very efficiently. And that can actually get you a little bit ahead of both Vengeance, because you're just killing him straight off, and because of the um, just keep up on attrition with the summoning. Uh, then I think actually one of the, the really, really good keywords to take into her is Augmented with uh, Hoffman, because now you have a lot of that armor, you have a lot of that shielded, so she's coming into you. She's doing less damage overall. She is. You're doing less damage from, or you're receiving less damage from Vengeance because you have that shielded going out there. Uh, Fiona Gage is a construct. Obviously, can bring her in. You have Joss with the irreducible damage. 
So he can actually come in, and I believe his max damage is a six. He can make that irreducible. Uh, I'm sorry, it's his max is five. He has crit strike, and he can make it irreducible. So he can actually take out a Kirio in one shot. So being able to take out a Kirio very efficiently is really, really useful. You also have the Peacekeeper, who has max damage of six, crit strike seven, takes out the Incorporeal, one-shotting a Kirio again. Uh, so you're looking again for that one-shot efficiency. And then with these power tokens, you're actually guaranteeing those suits. So it takes a little bit of the pressure off your hand and is really useful. Uh, if you want some really high-level Hoffman play, you can go on YouTube and you can see Legistats games. Uh, he's a Russian player, and he plays an amazing Hoffman game. And you should really kind of copy a lot of the ideas and tricks that he has. So uh, as of right now, it looks like you've named like half of guild that can play into Karai and um, yeah, I don't. Are you really like a guild, don't you? So, I mean, so what's your problem then? Cry should be easy to beat. It'll be fine. It'll <laughs> that's be what fine. I'm thinking. Like uh, these are just things that you can play into cry. They're not necessarily a counter. Um, I, yeah. I would like to throw out there uh, outcasts. Uh, since Owen's not around, uh, Levy will just uh, destroy uh, Karai and uh, everything that she brings along. Just watch out for your demise stuff because that that's a thing you need to worry about. Um, that's true. Levy is just a thing you can play. He's not really a counter. Uh, well, Levy is a counter to everything. <laughs> um, I will say so, something. This is going to be an unpopular opinion. Uh, bringing Hamlin around, uh, I don't give a damn that you kill rats, uh, and they can put Blighted on you, and I can just take you out in one hit with, uh, you know, after I stack Blighted on you. So if you you kill my rats, I don't care. And their damage track is zero zero one, so uh, they're just there to put Blight on you. Um, so that's an interesting thing. And then, well, the flip uh, side is the rats are there for. Uh, Datsoba and uh, Karai to get free summons off of. I mean, okay. If you have rats around, then. But, yeah, so I think the, the take-home lesson from all this is that uh, these are the general things you want to look for when you're trying to oppose Karai. You want to, you want to deal with each one of the individual pieces um, and use that to build up a crew that can handle the stuff that she's throwing at you. You deal with the something, you deal with the Vengeance, and you deal with the Incorporeal, and you can have a pretty good handle on how to deal with corrupt. You just brought up a good point, and uh, we—I don't know if Weird listens to our podcast, but if you are, uh, we may want to put a caveat in the, in the main rulebook uh, that states that, uh, or even adjust the uh, insignificant, where models cannot be summoned off of insignificant models. Uh, so if you kill a rat, if you kill a Scythian, you know, things like that, that are designed to die very quickly, that you don't get a significant model out of it. Cry more. <laughs> Cry. You're funny. I'm pretty sure that they're not listening. You never uh, know. To be fair, I don't think they should listen to that comment. So. <laughs> okay. So, any uh, any last thoughts on Yurami, guys? Uh, Cry is one of the most fun masters I have to play in, in uh, Malifaux 3rd Edition. Um... She just is a delight to bring to the table and uh, flummoxed your opponents with a bevy of exciting capabilities that they're not expecting. It is a joy to see a person find out for the first time that you could resummon a curio. <laughs> okay. Uh, my thoughts uh, for Karai are if you're playing, if you're playing as her, uh, make sure to work on your, your tar pits, make sure you have a plan ahead of time and that you don't tar pit, uh, 
you don't commit a model to the tar pit that you're planning to do something with something else. Um, just don't tie up your own resources. Uh, if you're playing against her, uh, it, it's going to be an uphill battle for you. If you try to play her game, don't play her game, play your game, uh, do your schemes and uh, get the things out on the edges that you need to get done. Uh, don't get tied up in the middle. So uh, that's my suggestions. I mean, I think she really exemplifies one of the things that gets talked about a lot in tabletop gaming is when you get to games this size and this complexity, the learning curve. The first time you see something, it's going to be crazy, it's going to be busted, it's going to be OP, and it is going to smack you down in ways that you never even expect to see coming. And I think she really exemplifies this in that once you've played against her a couple times, you start to learn the counters, you start to learn the tricks and the beats, and you play a much more efficient game against her but the first time you see it, you're like, holy crap, I had no idea that this was coming. And it can be a little bit overwhelming. So just take a breather, break it down into these individual pieces, and you'll find that individually they're not so hard to tackle after all. Okay, and on that note, uh, let's go ahead and uh, cut out. Uh, thanks for listening to us, guys, and come back next time. Uh, leave a comment for us if you'd like, uh, and let us know what you think. Peace out. Any idea what's next on the list, guys? I believe a society for not exploring things. Mm, yeah, exploring things. Who does that? We're going to be uh, going through the Explorer Society, uh, so expect a big release uh, coming up to coincide with the release of the book. Hint, um, they're all broken. They are not all broken. Well, okay. Uh, it's like playing against time. 11 Thunders. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We hope you tune in next time.